0: Hello and welcome to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast now on iTunes if you are new here or have been around for a bit the podcast is now back on iTunes Uh, we do have the second feed up Uh, so if you're listening to this on something other than iTunes subscribe if you are on iTunes make sure and give us a review or whatever Uh, today we are joined by the ringers Jonathan Sharks uh, who has been one of the foremost uh, NBA draft writers uh the past couple of months had some strong opinions about drug on bender that got a lot of people excited on the site and just in general suns fans so we brought him on to get hear more on that how you doing today jonathan
1: i'm good man how you doing
0: not too bad just uh dealing with uh this lull in the off season trying to figure out what we're gonna do here between uh i guess the olympics technically but the suns don't have anyone close there booker just got done so figuring out what to do between now and training camp but let's uh Let's talk about Dragon Bender because you wrote an article after your first uh, four days in Vegas, I believe, uh, for the ringer and just said that Bender was the most impressive rookie. This is a guy you've obviously seen a lot uh, on tape and stuff, but it was one of your first times seeing him in, in person, I believe. What really stood out to you to make that claim?
1: Well, just the difference between, I guess, like, seeing a guy live is always a little different. When you see him live, what I always look for is just, like, how he carries his weight and how well he moves like from watching him on film I was thinking of kind of like oh this guy's not too well like not very ripped a little slow-footed but seeing him live he moved really really well for a guy his size and he carried weight better than I thought he would like they had him at 225 is but my guess he weighs more than that already at 18.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah he definitely looked like that and the interesting thing about that movement and seeing him move was that the suns played him primarily at small forward to play both him and chris together uh, because it looked like neither of them was going to play center with Allen williams there as well what do you think about him as a small forward in the time you saw him
1: well i mean i think it just highlight what we just talked about his movement ability obviously he's not going to be a three the way the league is going but it's summer league so why not get him out there stretch his game a bit and see what he can do and that's what i think like Because I guess after I left, his play kind of went down a bit, but I wouldn't worry too much about that because Summer League is all about process, not results. I guess life is really, if you want to get technical. But (laughs) Summer League League especially, like, who cares? Just he moved well, he's got a high IQ, he's got a pretty good skill set. Like, I think that's what impressed me most about Bender, too, is that you could just see his feel for the game. Like, even compare him to Chris. Chris is just kind of an athlete out there, just kind of like reacting to what's happening bender was already thinking the game he's one of the youngest guys out there so that was really impressive to me
0: Mm -hmm. we saw him grab and go a lot we saw his rotations defensively uh one of the things i was really impressed about seeing him live was were those rotations defensively and while playing center long term his once he got under the basket in the right position which he was pretty much all the time he struggled to make a play on the ball but you can see the potential there for him is possibly a rim protector down the line. Is that where you see him as, like, the greatest asset as a center long-term?
1: Well, I think the way the league is going, it's always, like, how far down can you play? Like, it used to be how far up can you play? Oh, if you can be a big three, you're more valuable than being a small four. But now it's kind of the reverse. And you play Bender as a small five, but he's still really big for a small five. And then on offense, you're playing a five-out offense. The floor is wide open. And you've got a five you can play, make, create shots for other people, move the ball from top of the key, dribble, drive a bit. That makes your offense so much more dangerous. And it, I guess the idea would be from there you play a lot of athletes around him at the at the top four positions.
0: It definitely does. And one of those athletes was Marquise Chris. Uh, one of the most more interesting. I've been. Re- I was really down on Chris as like a potential top five pick heading into the draft especially with the reports looking more and more like the Suns were going to take him at four Uh, but one of the persuading moments for me was listening to you and Danny Chow on the Ringer podcast the Ringer NBA podcast was you guys talk about like why not in this draft just take a chance on him as a top five pick and that was more of the discussion as a why not what do you think about his potential after seeing him in person because for me personally it was really nice to see the motor that he had.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I always want to watch the Europeans, these things, because I watched enough college basketball that I'm pretty well set in my opinions on these guys For I, because I've, I've seen them play a lot in a lot of different settings, different types of players. So I pretty much had in my mind what I thought of Chris going into it, and nothing really changed from that. I feel like the biggest thing for him is just, like, playing with a good point guard, let him play in space, and let him just react. Don't ask him to think too much. That's why I think like Bledsoe and Booker really helped this guy out a lot. Just let him let him catch oops, let him run around out there, cause havoc. I think when me and Danny were talking about him, it was at that point I think he was like a top fifteen pick being talked about, mm-hmm. and it was like this guy just got way too much upside in a bad draft to be taken this low. And so then at the, the higher the higher up he went, it was the conversation kind of flips, and it's like, well, he doesn't do this right, he doesn't do this well. That's all true. But he's also one of the youngest guys in the draft at 18. And I would say with McDonough, his drafting, like, he has some good benefit of the doubt with his drafting at this point. He's proven he knows he's doing when it comes to draft.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Len pick was questionable at times. And while he, he did not have that great of a season last season, he definitely showed the potential, and he continues to show the potential. Uh, T.J. Warren at 14, I was screaming at my television, wanting them to take Gary Harris at 14, but he took T.J. Warren. I didn't like the pick at the time, like Len. Uh, but he has proven right with that. And then, of course, uh, last year's pick, Devin Booker, obviously, which was one of the steals of the draft. Uh, so with, with Chris and Bender together, do you see that as a combination working from all the all of the time you've seen them uh, on tape?
1: Yeah, I think theoretically, definitely. It's just how patient are you going to be? Because those are two of the youngest big men in the draft. So like, is it going to work next year? Probably not. But I don't expect the Suns to be very good next year, so, right? I mean, no. that's just yeah. that's the main thing is you got, because with Chris and Bender, you've got just two very mobile young big men who can shoot jumpers and switch screens. And that, that's what I want now more than anything else. Like, you want big guys who can play the perimeter on both sides of the ball? That's what opens the rest of the floor for everybody else to do their thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the switching aspect on defense is really special. That was why the, a guy that I really liked in free agency for the Suns was Mo Harkless, just because he projects as the guy to be able to switch like four, possibly even five positions down the line. And that's something with Bender and Chris, you're going to hopefully be able to do uh, in the future. Let's talk about Tyler Eulis for a second, because this is a guy. I personally had inside like my own like top fifteen or so uh Ooh. heading into the draft. Yeah, I was I was really, really high on him, and then when I heard you guys say I I, I believe it was you that said you would take Kay Felder over him and you, you got me really scared there for a second, but uh not to say Summer League is the end, I'll be all of course. He he did look really good, but talk about what uh let, I, I just went with the talk about line. That's not very great, is it? Uh let's just say what do you think about his projection as just a backup point guard because at the point that they got him at 30 whatever it was or 40 in the second round that's pretty good value for a guy that projects to be a solid backup point guard right
1: yeah I mean nothing wrong with the talk about line I feel like it's always been overrated like who cares <laughs> yeah, you know bit. the point you're trying to make about it all these media critics whatever
0: yeah um, you're not reading our questions in the story right
1: Right. Uh, the thing with Eulis, I mean, he was great, first off. He was their best player. Like, like when I was saying Bender was the most impressive, not because he was the best player, because he wasn't. Eulis was freaking awesome. I guess Booker was the best player. Mm-hmm. But Eulis was great as a rookie. He, like, he was for a small guy. He was so effective for a guy his size. And I'm, I'm just always doobies of smaller players in general. And then I always wonder, like, do I even want a pure backup point guard? Or do I want a bigger wing? and then more shooters around to run backup. Kind of like what the Spurs do with Ginobili. I've always liked the idea of a second unit with a big, like an Evan Turner type, too, or an Iguodala type. I'll play him as your bigger, as like the playmaking wing, and then give me a bunch of shooters in the perimeter next to him. So in that sense, I'm not sure. Like, I like use as a backup point guard, but philosophically, I'm not sure that's how I want to go with in that direction. But for what he is, for a small backup point guard, he's probably going to be as good a player as that kind of player is going to be, then it's just a matter of how much you value a 5'9 back backup point guard.
0: Yeah, yeah. the 5'9 the thing is the biggest issue, obviously. And unfortunately in Vegas, we didn't really get to see him go up against a bigger point guard. When they played Boston, Terry Rozier wasn't playing. He did play against Briante Weber uh, against Miami and did have a little bit of trouble with uh, the way that Weber defends, but most point guards do generally. And that includes a lot of them in the NBA, but... We'll have to see how that works out for him actually in the league. Let's transition more to uh, team talk in general of the Suns because I'm interested to hear a national perspective on where you think the Suns are going to be. Do you see them improving a lot this year with the injuries that they had or do you just see more of just the same 25-30 to win team?
1: Well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to what they're trying to do this season. Like, are they going to play Chris and Bender a lot? If they are, they're probably not going to be much better because those guys are 18 years old. Are they going to compete for an eight seed, which means like playing Tyson a bunch, playing Dudley a bunch? That I think is the first question they have to ask themselves.
0: It, seems like, it seems like it's going to be like one of the rookies playing like 10 to 15 minutes a night and then Dudley and Tucker are going to play a bunch of minutes. I, I feel like that's the direction they're going.
1: Well, then they should be competitive at least. So I don't see what really would be the point of that necessarily. I still feel like they're not going to be one of those top eight teams regardless. So why? But I guess they've lost a lot of games. They have a lot of rookies. So maybe you want to start looking towards consolidating. I think the first question for me with the Suns is this Brandon Knight, Eric Bledsoe backcourt. I
0: was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like is that going to be a long-term thing? Because, I mean, obviously you've got to start Booker. So the real question is – is Booker the three or is Booker the two? Where well, that thing goes back to who's going to guard the big wings in the West? If I have Devin Booker out there, do I want him guarding Kevin Durant or even like a Rudy Gay or a James Harden? Or do I want, him, do I want someone to protect him on defense? And if you want not go to the second option, then you can only have one of those point guards out there. Mm-hmm. But if you want one of those mm-hmm. point guards out there, you're, you're giving a guy a maximum to come off the bench. And that's always tough to sell. So I think that to me is, number, The question number one is that, question number two is the front court. Like, Len is coming up into his extension year, Tyson's got three years left on his deal, then you've got Bender, you've got Chris, TJ Warren. To me, the Suns, like they got to answer a lot of questions about themselves, who do they think they are, mm-hmm. where they are, and it's like figuring out these positional battles and what it says about their, what's their long-term plan for this team.
0: The difficult position for them is that they were kind of in this scenario a couple of years ago. They had this group of like the Morris Twins, Len, Warren, Archie Goodwin, Bledsoe, and then they had this other group, uh, Dragic, Fry, Gerald Green, a couple of other guys, and it's clear that they chose the younger team. Now, the Morris Twins are obviously gone, and Archie is way down the depth chart now, but they clearly were looking to build for the future, and they actually found themselves in that scenario now again like three years later and that's never a good spot to be in and as you said they can kind of make that choice and looking forward to next year's draft it's it seems like the right choice right now for any team looking to maybe make the eight seed is just to suck because next year's draft is going to be pretty good from what we can tell um with with booker starting so you feel like booker should definitely start
1: i mean yeah Definitely. Okay, that
0: is something that Suns fans and people around the team have been pretty adamant about, people that really follow the team. So it's refreshing to hear that from another national person because Knight Knight had his moments last year where he showed the player that he could type the type of player he could be, but that looked like more of a natural type of sixth man, kind of Jamal Crawford type player. Is that what you see him as? What do you see Knight as long term really?
1: Yeah, I, I always kind of looked at him like he's not really a true, quote unquote, true point guard. He's not really something up to be a two. Like, I, I like Brandon Knight, just give, give me some buckets. And, like, mm-hmm. you don't play much defense and you get a lot of buckets. That's pretty much a six man on most good teams. And I think that's kind of played out so far in his career. But at the same time, like, he probably could be a point guard on a spec pick and roll team. I mean, probably. It's hard to say. Uh, I think I have two questions for you. One, Archie Goodwin, what's, what's the thought about him now? He's he's still like super young.
0: Yeah, the the hype around Archie really intensified, I believe, in his second summer league when he just looked like one of those guys that shouldn't be there. And sometimes that turns out to be a guy like Devin Booker or D'Angelo Russell. Sometimes that turns out to be like Quincy Miller. Like I remember seeing Quincy Miller at Vegas hey, like three years ago. Hey, that's my boy
1: Quincy Miller.
0: Oh, you're a Quincy Miller boy too? Oh my God. That's, oh, I, I got so sad reading that report about him the other day, man. Oh, he just can't stay healthy. That's my guy, uh, but yeah. he he looked like he looked like a guy that like this guy's a professional basketball player. He's an NBA player. He should not be here. So that that's always tough to get a read on. The interesting thing about Archie is that they tried him at point guard again last year for a little bit after uh, all the injuries happened. They're just like, well, why not? Let's just give Archie thirty minutes at the point and see what happens. And he actually looked kind of good. And then they sort of gave up on it. The coaching change and all that sort of stuff happened. And then it was just kind of gone, the whole experiment of him at point. And there's no doubt about his ability to score and get to the basket. But it's always been, what else can he do after getting to the basket? And his shot has not progressed at all. His defense has not progressed at all. But the point guard skills were kind of showing a little bit. And then they kind of just disappeared last year when we didn't really get to see much of them. And now with Euless getting picked, it seems like there's no chance of him really playing point guard at all what was your other question on the team
1: the other one was like it kind of felt like tyson was a sarver move like that was sarver saying i want win right now versus like because mcdonald drafts Lynn top five and then he signs a guy to play over his top draft pick it just seems questionable to me that was really a front office decision and that was not a robert sarver move
0: mm-hmm. but Lowe had the report zach Lowe had the report a uh, like a year or two ago that Sarver, there was pressure from the front office to win now. And then they signed Chandler and make this run at Aldridge. I think a lot of it, a lot more of it than it should have had to do with making a run at Aldridge. But at the end of the day, it from the player that he was in Dallas for that year back in Dallas, it still looked like a pretty solid move. And then there was, of course, like he'll be ready to be a backup when Len is ready to be a starter. Well, now Len doesn't look like he's ready to be a starter at all. And Chandler had his kind of his moments last year. He he didn't really seem healthy the entire year, but maybe that's just the step or two that he lost. What was your read on Tyson? Because I know you go to a, a couple of Mavericks games a year at least. So what was your read on him in Phoenix this year?
1: Well, he was great in Dallas, but it seemed like the kind of player he is, he has to be around veterans to get the most out of him. He has to be part of like a very cohesive defensive system. He has to be somewhere where his role is very well defined. He's not being asked to do too much. And there's a lot of structure around him. And it also seemed like 33, 34, 35, 36-year-old Tyson, a guy that depends on his athletic ability, that's going to be a tough contract to live out. I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised he went there when he did, but... Good for him to get that money, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely good for him. I don't know if this stood out from a national perspective as well, but from watching like every second of their season last year, they could not throw him a lob at all to save their life. Uh, yeah, and so. if you
1: can't throw Tyson lobs, then he's useless out there. <laughs> exactly.
0: <his own. laughs> he uh, Brian Giverman from Arizona Sports wrote a column basically saying like defending the Chandler signing and saying like he's a very very skilled offensive player at what he does, but a large part of that was throwing lobs to him, and then. Booker was really the only guy that could throw him lobs, and throughout the season, we kind of discovered, is like Booker the best passer on the team? And that's not a good idea, or not a good thing to have, really, when you have Knight and Bledsoe both spending time at point. Uh, But I want to thank you, Jonathan, for coming on the podcast here. It's always nice to get an outsider's perspective here uh, when we stay so inside this Phoenix bubble here on the podcast. Uh, But we'll be back soon with more off-season stuff. I'm planning to have more at least before training camp a couple more podcasts venturing all over the place thanks jonathan
1: yeah no problem man have a good one
0: you too